Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bow, and myself continue our discussion on the third article of the Apostles' Creed, looking at Psalm 32. Welcome to the Being Lutheran podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bow, and I have they're still my friends with me. <laughs> Yay! Pastor Jason Goodham. And Pastor Brian Rickey. I mean, after yes. all the debate we just had about which Old Testament passage to study to talk about uh, sanctification. <laughs> yeah, I have, to, yeah, I have right. to confess to our listener, yeah. it got a little bloody. You know, yeah, it got that's right. Some fisticuffs my nose will heal. Rough. My yeah. nose will heal. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> a Charlie horse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, what are we talking about? Yes. We're still in the third article of the Apostles' yes. Creed, and yeah. we start our Bible study, correct? Right. Yeah. And our custom is to, once we walk through kind of a general teaching on, on each part of what we're walking through, um, to take a look at an Old Testament passage, then a New Testament passage. So next episode will be the New Testament, but for right now, we're in the Old Testament. Yeah, we have a vested interest, as we've mentioned several times before, to demonstrate that the theology in the Book of Concord is derived straight out of Scripture. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we want to look at. And we, You know, it can be said tongue-in-cheek, but we want to quiet those criticisms that we would rather study the confessions than study the scriptures. Mm-hmm. We realize that it is the scriptures that point are the confessions that point us back to the scriptures and mm-hmm. summarize them for us in, in a way that is easy yep. and accessible. Right. Yeah. So yeah. let's we're we're looking at Psalm thirty two. Yeah, um, today, so the second of the seven penitential psalms. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's fresh on my mind because that's our Lenten rotation right. this year at uh, my congregation at Faith, uh, and we picked this for some pretty interesting things it has to say about the concepts of sanctification. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, without further ado, let me read that for us, and uh, we can begin to look at it. So, Psalm thirty-two says this. Uh, well, it's a mascal of David. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Mm. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Amen. 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 Cool. So what is it about this passage that makes us think about sanctification? Well, it highlights that the pattern of sanctification in the life of a Christian, Mm -hmm. in the life of a believer, Uh, And the life of a child of God is one of repentance and forgiveness. What we see here is not a stronger commitment 
to be more holy. It's not a more radical, out-of-the-box way to live for Jesus. Mm-hmm. What we see here is David, a child of God, a child after God's own heart by God's declaration, uh, as one who struggles with sin, mm-hmm. as one who hmm. uh, is affected by the consequences of sin in his life, and as one who's in regular need yep. of repentance. We see, I think, Psalm 32 teaches us principally what happens specifically in Psalm 51. Psalm 51, we know, was written as the direct result of the Bathsheba affair. Mm-hmm. This one, we don't get the historical context of, yep. just other than it's a masculine. But you, you get a sense that this is typical in David's life, not that he's this grotesque, you know, repugnant sinner, but that he uh, revels in the forgiveness of sins. Mm-hmm. He, he cowers in fear at the consequence of his sins. And then his response to that is to repent and then to glory in what God declares him to be, yeah. righteous, and right. God leading him and guiding him in his walk, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. with God. And so I think that's the you know the whole chapter, the whole psalm summed up, yeah. is that this is the life of uh, repentance for a believer. Mm-hmm. I think Psalm 32 makes an excellent partner with Romans 7. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know that I use Psalm 32 quite a bit. Uh, for communion preparation yep. uh, because of the cycle that you often talk about in sanctification. Mm-hmm. And uh, to me, this is abiding in Christ, just continuing to return to the foot of the mm-hmm. cross and allowing through confession and repentance, allowing the Holy Spirit to birth humility and thankfulness yep. in our heart so that what we do then do when we leave in the freedom of Christ from hearing the declaration of grace that you are forgiven mm-hmm. That out of humility and gratitude, you begin to worship God and allow these things to teach us and to form us Mm -hmm. into the person God wants us to be. Again, not out of a moralistic, I have to, Mm -hmm. but out of an act of worship, I want to because of what Christ has done for me. And I think that spirit of moralism or the spirit of, we've been critiquing this idea that sanctification is about becoming more holy in a a sense of, of... Growing in, in good works and and conquering sin, having complete victory over sin. And I think sometimes if, if you have that mindset, when you do recognize your own sin, you're going to want to cover it up. Mm-hmm. And you see that with David here. Perhaps he, he felt compelled to put on a show of, you know, I'm, I'm okay, I'm, I'm not sinning. And yet he was burying that sin and that had psychosomatic... You know, it affected his body and soul uh, when he was trying to hide his sin because he didn't want to portray that sin. Or... Well, there, the, the message here is that there's real world consequences to our sin, that mm-hmm. it affects us. And, you know, and it might be that wanting to cover it up, mm-hmm. it might also be uh, that the longer uh, we take to confess and the less it stings, you just wait till that, that initial guilt goes away. You feel less bad mm-hmm. about it. And, and that's a that's a dangerous place to be. But... Where David's at, if he keeps silent, if he ignores yep. his sin, right. it, it's as if his bones are wasting away. Yep. He's groaning. Yeah. Uh, he, he feels the, you know, verse four is one that's really resonated with me for day and night, your hand 
was heavy upon me. Denial is such a powerful mm-hmm. thing in humanity because of our sinful nature. Yeah. Uh, we always kind of want to paint a picture that we're a little bit better than we really are. Yeah, right. But, you know, you talked about that David isn't really a repugnant sinner, but honestly, next to God's holiness, in a very mm-hmm. gentle way, I say this, we all yeah. are repugnant sinners. But right. if we understand that reality and don't stay there and remind ourselves but while we were yet sinners, these repugnant sinners, Christ died for mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. because God so loved the world, the gospel. Well, and, and so I think kind of what I was touching on with this too is, is you alluded to it a little bit, Brad, is this need to cover it up because we get sanctification wrong. Mm-hmm. And so we think that this sin automatically disqualifies us mm-hmm. from the grace of God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or puts us a few notches lower on Jacob's ladder. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you ask a college student or a high school student, someone who can, you know, really consider the consequences. What happens if you die while you're speeding? Hmm. And, and a person who's attuned to what you're asking, they will suffer from mm-hmm. that question. Mm-hmm. You know, what happens if you're speeding, you get in a wreck, and you can't confess that sin? That's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Terrifying to them. And the, the thing here, though, is that's not what we're talking about. We're not on that sliding scale. We're not on that inclined plane. We're not worrying about backsliding. We're worrying about unrepentant sin. We're worrying about the sin that carries us further and further away from God because every unrepentant sin leads to another sin and to another sin. And sooner or later you look up and there's no belief Mm -hmm. is that you've abandoned that faith. And so this is the, why we have guilt. This is that first work of the Holy Spirit to convict us of sin. And then what I do in in our service, Brian, you use it as communion preparation. It's Mm -hmm. great. I use Psalm 32.5 as introduction to the absolution. Yeah. And so we we don't do the first half, but the first half is great too. I acknowledge my sin to you, and you did not, and I did not cover up my iniquity. And then to introduce the absolution, I quote: "I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, mm-hmm. and you forgave the iniquity of my sin." And then our version of the absolution of faith, I say, it is because of promises like this in the Word of God from the mouth of God Himself, and because of the completed work of Christ on the cross in your place, I declare to you that your sins have been forgiven. Mm-hmm. The, the the driving motivating factor in the Christian life is that that assurance of salvation, that absoluteness that you are forgiven. Mm-hmm. And it's not that that one little sin that God says, oh, sorry, you're out. Well, that's it's verse the, two, isn't it? Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no yeah, right. iniquity in the freedom of Christ Jesus. That, that's the environment of the Christian life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amen. Is, that is one that of, continuing state of yep. you are forgiven, You your sins uh, your transgression is forgiven it yep. continuously there. And then that's David's ap- application in, in verse 6. And he says, therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. He's not changing perspectives and talking about supplicatory prayer or, or you know, prayer of thankfulness. Yeah. He's talking about repentance. Yeah. It's Today's the, the day. The Don't wait. <laughs> right. and says, let everyone who is godly. Godliness is defined by repentance. Mm-hmm. The, the daily life of a Christian should be mm-hmm. one of repentance. It's the first thesis. Mm-hmm. And a willingness to thesis. see it. You know, and I think that's just really so important in the life of the believer because the thing that I wrestled with with several people in talking about um, moralism, and just I've had a few people I've had discussions with that are really entrenched in it, and almost from the perspective that, that one day, if they continue on the sliding scale, they won't sin. You know, and this idea that you can get to the point in your sanctification where you no longer sin. And I just went, I looked, I just, the denial uh, of, of even thinking that that's even possible. 
mm-hmm. next to the holiness of God mm-hmm. is to me a very scary, scary place. Mm-hmm. And to understand that this cycle is not to guilt and shame us at mm-hmm. all. To me, it's to expand and to clarify the inexhaustible grace and mercy of Christ mm-hmm. on the cross. So I, it's it's such a backwards way of thinking that we are on this sliding scale, but in this beautiful cycle of confession and repentance, mm-hmm. we remain humble before the Lord. We remain moldable before the Lord, again, because we want to, because of what Christ has done. Well, and then what you have there, then, is your connection. You get to verses 8 and 9, and then you have the proper role of the law in the life of a believer. It says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will stay near you. Yeah, it really strikes mm-hmm. me as the it's the song it's the it's the repentant sinner that speaks in in those first seven verses and all of a sudden then God now speaks oh. to the forgiven <clears throat> to the forgiven and cleansed believer. Well, and and to the forgiven and redeemed and cleansed believer, what do we need? We need more instruction. We need God to continually be declaring his will to us Mm -hmm. in his law, because there's no end to completing the law. There's no end to the neighbor you need to love. This is vocation 101. Yeah. You know, we got it in there. Ding. The sounder. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. That is the law on our lives. But this is like a, a, a precursor to Colossians, where mm-hmm. the record of wrongs, the law, yep. the nailed to the cross and disarmed. And so the accusatory nature of the law is, is removed for the believer in Christ Jesus, and it is now our gentle teacher. Yeah. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but the steadfast love surrounds the mm-hmm. one who trusts in Amen. the Lord. That's the yeah. environment of Christianity. Right, and, and, that, and that environment is one of freedom. No. And I especially like that verse nine talking about be be not like a horse or a mule without understanding that need that bit and bridle. Um, Christianity is not about being bound and and yanked about by you know being hooked up with that. Um, but we have freedom. And, and verse seven really brings mm-hmm. that out. Verse seven reminds us of that freedom. You are a hiding place for me. You're a safe place. Because in your presence I'm forgiven, and in your will I'm forgiven, in your grace and mercy I'm forgiven. You preserve me from trouble. You mm-hmm. surround me with shouts of deliverance. Does anyone else have a campfire song stuck in their head? Yeah, right. You yeah. are my hiding place. <laughs> <Stop> <laughs> we're, this is a recording studio, but yeah, yeah. we're not recording. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm no... Uh, Singer, yeah. <laughs> I could do my best Simon Cowell um, oh, impression. Yeah. <laughs> right, smack me around. Um, uh, yeah, this is, you know, I'm kind of stunned at how tight of a summary of the Christian life this is, mm-hmm. and, and refocusing sanctification again on repentance, mm-hmm. on that returning to the cross where we receive the gospel, which is what Luther says mm-hmm. in the third article of the creed there in the large catechism. Mm-hmm. is It's not this inclined plane. No. We're not moving further away from the cross event into a higher level of holiness. We're cycling back. We're going back to repentance. We're carrying the cross with us. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we talked about in the last episode with that Hebrews text. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You never, ever graduate from the message of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Even if, if the Bible says we leave the elementary teachings of, of Scripture, that's not what the gospel is. It's not the elementary teaching. It's the way the gospel is expressed, but it's the gospel that carries the Christian life. Yeah. 
it's the gospel that frees, like mm-hmm. you said, so that, mm-hmm. you know, our focus can be on our neighbor instead of on ourselves. You know, if our focus is on ourselves, we're always going to be trying to edge in front of the next person into a higher rank. Mm-hmm. We're always going to be fighting with our neighbor for good works instead of freely giving our good works to mm-hmm. our neighbor because God doesn't need them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you know, you mentioned Psalm 51, that last verse that the sacrifices of God are that broken spirit, broken and contrite heart before the mm-hmm. Lord. And it is really about our heart and allowing the reality that we are absolutely lost and without hope without the completed work of Christ. We are. Yeah, we are right. absolutely at at the... Um, <laughs> Got derailed by a train of thought? I did. Um, the, we're at absolutely at the mercy of God. Yeah. Well, and it also illustrates what the law is always intended to do, which is to drive us to cry out for mercy. You know, yeah. when mm-hmm. we think... Uh, you that you know the law is accusing us and we're failing we either recoil from it or you know we want to mm-hmm. pick ourselves up by bootstraps and try harder no when you're being broken by the law what god is screaming at you to do yeah. is to repent well yeah. and i i'm i just thought about that um that parable or that story that that christ shared in the gospels of of the pharisees you know saying oh i'm glad i'm not like this sinner and i'm mm-hmm. not like this and that and then you've got uh, this other man beating his chest saying i'm a mm-hmm. sinner have right. mercy on me and just again, that the the beauty of a broken spirit before the Lord, that that in his our weakness he is strong, and and that idea of just being the blind beggar at the foot of the cross, continually allowing the proclamation of the gospel to go forth out of our life, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's it's the tremendous blessing of Christianity, and and we have to order this rightly as well, is that our good works have a missionary effect on the people around us. Now, that's not why we do the good works. We do the good works because God commands us to do the good works. But then Jesus, you know, in his grace and mercy in explaining the law in the Sermon on the Mount says, let your light shine before men yeah. that they may see your good works and glorify your Father yeah. in heaven. Yeah. Is that as we do the good works that Jesus has called us to do, that Jesus does through us in spite of our motivations mm-hmm. often, he's drawing people to a place where they're going to hear the gospel, where the Holy Spirit's going to work that saving work mm-hmm. of creating faith in their lives. And it's it's humbling yeah. that, you know, as a father, grumpy in the morning, you know, not wanting to deal with my kids demanding this or that from my time, in my vocation, I'm caring for my kids. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I'm being rebuked to have a better attitude. Sure. And so I have something to repent about. And then when I repent, what's right there waiting for me is the grace and mercy of God mm-hmm. and forgiveness of all my sins. It's a tremendous place to be. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Yeah. And, and you know, I as I wrestle through this and think through this, I don't know if this is coming from just being entrenched in maybe the American evangelicalism mindset, but uh, sometimes I just equate sanctification with growth, and I, I, don't, I think that is a, a biblical word. But you know, in that cycle of repenting and receiving grace, conf- confession, repentance, repentance and faith, I think the growth happens by God's grace. Where in that, in the freedom, in the in what God is doing in us, we do grow. We we are strengthened. We do um, by God's grace produce fruit. 
And because it's not an image, uh, you know, it's an image that's in scripture, but it's one that we've kind of misunderstood. Mm-hmm. I tend to speak in terms of maturity yeah. rather mm-hmm. than growth, but sure. it's still there. But to realize that the growth comes in the repentance and in the forgiveness right. yep. and not that's in what the... I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. and not in the mm-hmm. successfulness mm-hmm. of avoiding sin. You know, and, and again... It's, it's probably one of those things where if you focus on the byproduct more than know? the actual how it happens. Well, we can talk ourselves in circles to death, but God doesn't want us to sin. That's the message of the law. It's not that we can say, oh, shucks, I sin. God forgives me. That's Mm -hmm. not forgiveness. Forgiveness is that your sin is actually dealt with, that God Mm -hmm. isn't letting you, oh, shucks it and sweep it under the rug. It's that 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 record of debt from Colossians has been nailed to the cross. Disarmed. Hallelujah. God God doesn't remember your sin, not because he's ignoring Mm -hmm. it and pretending it doesn't. God doesn't remember your sin because it doesn't exist anymore. Christ has taken it from you. And Mm -hmm. then he says, go live in that freedom and here's how you live. Here's the law again. Mm -hmm. And then when you screw up, repent and do it all over again. And and that's sanctification. That's the Christian life. That's what Psalm 32 is talking about. So so if there's a listener here, we're not talking about just being in this in a rut where we're just going around in, in a circle, there is still maturity and there's still... Well, you, I mean, oh, I hate using analogies. Sure. They always break <laughs> down. But if you want to yeah. think about the cycle spinning in a circle, think about the way a tire spins, mm-hmm. right? It's always spinning on that same axis, but the car's traveled, mm-hmm. you know, and it's going to break down in a million billion yeah. different places. So don't hold me to it but it's we're, we're not stuck in the mud with that it's the holy spirit carrying us along by our faith as we learn grow mature however you want to use mm-hmm. it it's that well and and part of that you know if you want to go back to you know john 15 i know i keep coming back to this but <laughs> that pruning process yeah. you know god disciplines those whom he loves and what he he longs to do in our heart is for us to see the magnitude of his grace and mercy through our own wretchedness. Mm-hmm. And it's not that we camp or stay on the wretched aspect of our humanity, but what we do is we allow it to expand and clarify the extravagant grace and mercy of our Lord and Savior, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. It's That's the, the John the Baptist. He must increase, I must decrease. Yeah. That's probably a, as good of a summary of sanctification mm-hmm. as there possibly can be. Yeah. Is what, what needs to come out of our life is... Repentance and forgiveness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Repentance and forgiveness. Yeah, awesome. And Psalm 32 does a great job of, like you said, in, in encapsulating that in, in a tight package here that um, we can receive in our lives. Yeah. Isaiah chapter 12. Uh, you will say in that day that I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also, invite a friend to check us out on iTunes. Please join us next week as Pastor Jason, Pastor Brett, and myself wrap up our discussion on the third article of the Apostles' Creed. God bless you and have a great week.